Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. We have been in this series talking about what is it that we do with our life? What is it that we do with our days, with these days that God has given us? Scripture tells us in one portion, from dust we came and from dust we'll return. And I told you it made me ask the question, and what do we do with all of the in-between? What about all of the middle? And so we talked about how God created us and he formed us and he made us in his image. And if you didn't hear that message, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out on our YouTube or on our podcast because I think that it drastically changes the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see each other and the way that we interact with the world around us when we realize that we are made in his image. Then last week, Phil talked to us so well that we (laughs) just complimented himself. He's like, I'm so good. So what happens when you know you're made in the image. (laughs) But he talked to us about that we weren't designed for loneliness, that we weren't designed for isolation, but that God created us to dwell in relationship, that he created us for partnership together, that there is something so valuable about what I am and who you are, that God designed us to work and to walk together. And I want us to continue looking at what does it mean for all of this time? What does it mean as we look at what God gave us and who we're being and where we're going and all of the space between? And so today we're going to talk about how we work it, how we work it on the days in between. And while you're scrolling with you, thanks, David, while you're scrolling or flipping to Genesis 1, we're starting all the way at the beginning. I want to ask you a really important question to just visualize for me, what do you imagine when you imagine Eden? You know, that garden that God made in the beginning, that place where he placed Adam and Eve, when you picture it, when you imagine it, what does Eden look like to you? Where are Adam and Eve in the garden that God has placed them in when you picture it in your mind? What are they doing in the garden when you think about Adam and Eve in the midst of this garden that God created just for them and placed them in just in the middle of it? Does it look a little bit like undeveloped Hawaii to you? Green, luscious, rolling hills and water all around. Where are Adam and Eve at in the midst of the garden? I would venture to say you're imagining them sitting lazily by the riverbeds, leaned back and lounging, pondering the great unknown and eating of the delicious fruit that God has prepared for them in the midst of the garden. In fact, I took the liberty of going and looking up different paintings and pictures that have been drawn and created over all, you know, of, oh, I probably didn't look at all of the ones over all of time. I looked at like the top 20 Google results, right, of what was there. But in all of the pictures, Adam and Eve are sitting, leaning back, often eating next to water in the midst of this green garden with animals all over. This is the picture that we imagine when we imagine Adam and Eve in the garden. 
So let's look at our scriptures today. We're going to go to Genesis 1, 27. This is the one we read last week, or I guess a couple weeks ago, and then we're going to go on to read 28. Genesis 1 and 27 says, God created man in his own image. That's where we started. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And then if you want to flip over to Genesis 2, this is where we see the similar account. It's read for us and written for us again. In Genesis 2 and 7, it says, And then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. And then jump down to Genesis 2 and 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. To what? to work it and to keep it, to work it and to keep it. I want to kind of encourage us to present to us today that the way that we imagine Eden, the way that we imagine Adam and Eve in the midst of the garden affects the way that we imagine ourselves and our here and our now. It affects the way that we imagine what it is that we were designed and created to do and that perhaps our picture of Adam and Eve in the garden has been a little bit underdeveloped that we aren't seeing the fullness of what God put them in the garden to do, that we aren't seeing a complete picture of what it is that their time in the garden actually looked like. Phil and I have, um, have three little boys. You're like, I know, Meredith, you talk about them every single week. We know that you have boys. There are visitors here. They don't know. I want to make sure everyone's brought up to date. So we have these three little boys, and uh, last fall, Phil had chopped like a bunch of wood so we could have outdoor fires, and it was stacked all around. And so he was doing this very important, heavy, like laborsome work of picking up the wood and creating barrels and taking it, you know, to a space and stacking it in all of that, those places. And as each of our boys discovered the work that he was doing, they got so excited to be part of the work. They wanted to run out there and they wanted to help fill up the barrel with all of this wood and then they wanted to carry all of the wood all the way to the back and they wanted to stack it each in its own spot and create the different piles and they were all, I mean the youngest, the two-year-old, he's not even two yet, but the two-year-old, he is the worst. Anything that is going on, he's like, me, me do it, me help, me do it now. I'm like, he wants to be in the work that is going on. And when they get done, when they get done with the work and they came and they were looking at their great big pile and everything that they'd done, they weren't filled with exhaustion. They weren't filled with like being totally warped out. They don't ever get totally warped out, ever. But they were filled with so much pride for the work that they had done. They were filled with so much fulfillment. They were filled with so much satisfaction about this thing that they had just walked into, this thing that they had just been part of, that they had done this work of taking the wood that had been scattered all over the place and bringing it. Do you find satisfaction in the work that you do? 
or are you at odds with the work that you do? Because what did Genesis 2.15 say? It said that God put Adam in the garden to work it. He put Adam in the garden to do something with it. He put Adam in that garden to take it and to bring order to the chaos that was there. He put Adam in the midst of the garden to till the ground and to begin to bring forth fruit. He put Adam in the garden and he gave him a job right up front. He said, Adam, I have something for you to do. And if this is our original picture, then it's our picture for ourselves as well. That when God created you and when he sent you into the world and when he brought you into here and now into this place, into this time, he said, I have a job for you to do. I'm sending you and I want you to work it. I'm sending you right now, and I'm sending you to this city. I'm sending you to this place. I'm sending you to this family. I'm sending you with this picture of who I am printed on the inside of you, and I want you to work it. I want you to make something of the space that I send you into. I want you to create something from the places that I send you to. I want you to develop something. I want you to grow something. I want you to make something where there was nothing. I want you to form it. I want you to put it together. And we have created this dichotomy where we imagine Adam and Eve in the garden and all they're doing is sitting back and let, relaxing like they're on perpetual vacation. And so we think the goal and the trajectory of our life is to get on perpetual vacation and God says, that's not what I created you for. I created you for work. I created you with purpose. I created you for fulfillment. I created you with a job in mind. He uses these three words that he says to Adam and Eve that he doesn't say to any of the rest of creation. When, he, when God, when he brings forth the animals, he says to them, I want you to be fruitful and multiply as well. But when he gets to Adam and Eve, he says, fill the earth, subdue the earth, have dominion over the earth. Fill, subdue, have dominion. Fill, subdue, have dominion. Work every space that you go into. Every space that you walk into should be filled with what God has put on the inside of you. Every place that you go into should be imprinted and impacted by the fact that the image of God is on the inside of you. And now the image of God that's on the inside of you is coming out of you and being recognized and realized in the midst of creation because of what God has done on the inside of you. And because he has given you a job to do and that job to do is to fill the earth, to fill the earth with the glory of God, to fill the earth with the creation of God, to fill the earth with the pictures of heaven in the here and the now. He said, I sent you into this space not to leave it empty. I sent you into this space not to leave it like you found it. I sent you into the space to fill the space with everything that's on the inside of you to make something out of that space to subdue it. To subdue it, to bring the order of God, not your order, his order into that space. 
He said, I gave you a specific talent. I gave you a specific skill. I gave you a specific way about you that when you come into this place, I want you to subdue this space, to bring things into order, to put things into position, to use your strategic mind and say, we need to move this here and move that here and organize this in this way. And in that way, the image of heaven comes into the image of earth. And here's the thing is that we think the image of heaven only comes into the image of earth when we're doing our religious working. We think the people who bring the the image of God into the earth, whose work really matters, the people who fill and subdue and have dominion in the earth are people who sing songs on a stage or people who preach on a microphone or maybe missionaries who go and live overseas in the backside away from the developed and developed cities of that nation. Maybe those are the people whose work is really filling and subduing all that we do. And maybe every now and then you get to participate in it too. When you signed up for a go local weekend and you say, oh, I went out and this weekend I probably filled and subdued because I demonstrated the goodness and the glory of heaven. And yeah, it happens there. But it happens every day when you show up in the place that God called you to. It happens every day when you sit down and you design a web page that allows people to come and to purchase a product that makes their life better. You are creating the glory of God. You are filling the earth with his goodness because you know how to put the colors in the right place on that page and you know the layout that it needs and you know where to put the call to action button so that people engage in it in the best way. You are bringing the glory of God every time you take one of those Amazon boxes and you fill it onto a truck so that it gets to someone's house and brings them the supplies that they need and brings them the things that they want that are going to bring things and helps them deliver things to elderly people who can't get to it and helps crazy moms who need to work and run all over the place get make sure that their kids don't run out of diapers bless your soul for filling that Amazon truck up and it happens every time that you train your kids and it happens every time that you clean your house and it happens every time that you hire someone and it happens every time that you serve a meal at a table if you're a waiter at a t- at a restaurant it happens in all that we do in all of the work that we do in all of the ways that we show up you are bringing the glory of heaven into the here and now you are filling the earth you are subduing the earth you are having dominion every place that you walk just because you showed up because you are an image bearer of God and he put something on the inside of you that when you walk up to a table and you say what can I get for you today his peace comes with you and his joy comes with you and you're able to bring his glory into that place and you serve people with dignity and you serve people like you're glad that they're there and you serve people like they're an image bearer of God in the way that you're an image bearer of God and you say in this space in this right now in this patch that he's given me in this circle that he's given me I have come and I have filled and I have subdued and I have worked it with everything that I've got and I have worked it from morning until night and I have worked it from day in and from day out because if this is the place that he's given me to have dominion and I'm gonna have so much dominion in my circle I'm gonna make sure that this space looks like heaven that this space feels like heaven that when people walk away from me they say there's something that happened on the come on have you ever just had that experience well you're just checking out at the grocery store going through your whatever but the way that the person did that job 
they brought honor to it. They brought dignity to it. They said, there's something that I'm doing right now that matters. The way that we show up to our work is what brings glory to God. The way that we show up to what we do says, I know that this matters, that this isn't just a passing moment in my life. I know that what I have here and now is what God has given me to work, and I am going to work it with everything that I've got, and we can't work our space as long as we feel at odds with the space that God has given us. As long as we are looking at our work like it's the opposition of our life, like it's the enemy of our life, the thing that I have to show up to and endure and I get to be done with in a little while so I can just go sit back on my couch and zone out and chill on some Netflix for a while. They make me show up to this thing so I can get a paycheck, so I can go and do what I really want. No, this is the thing. God designed you for work. He designed you to show up for it. And so when you show up, when you show up, like this is part of my worship. This is part of how I bring glory to God. This is part of how I bring honor to God. Whether it's the thing that you think you want to end up at in forever or whether it's the thing that you're doing right now. You show up and say, this is the space that God gave me to work. And I'm going to work it. And when I show up, the how that I do it, I show up with excellence. I show up because I see my work as being work that is served to other image bearers of God. And I see my work as work that is worship unto him. And so I show up on time. I might even show up early. I know. Come on now. I show up looking ready for work. You know what I mean? I show up not waiting and seeing what's the bare minimum that I can get by with. I show up looking and waiting to go above and beyond and to do extra. At this job while I was in college, um, I worked at a restaurant. I was like a, what do they call that? A hostess at this restaurant when I was in college. And I discovered that the check-in system had a buffer on it of like eight minutes that if you checked in up to eight minutes past your start time, you were still considered on time. I know. You guys, just, you guys thought this was going to be an encouraging example of how you should live your life. And you just realized that that is not information that you have in your mind when you are doing your work as unto the Lord. And I lived about five minutes away. My campus where I was studying was about five minutes away from the restaurant. So I would literally leave my dorm at the same time that I was supposed to be checking in because I knew I could get down the road into the parking lot and into the building just in time to get clocked in. And it gets worse than that, guys. I've grown. I have grown. Don't look at me like you don't have some things that you have grown from. I would also just leave my uniform like in the back of my car so that I would never forget it or lose it or whatever. And so I would literally be like throwing my uniform on as I ran in to check in just under time, like half tucked in shirt, definitely wrinkly from being in the back of my, there was nothing about my entry that said, this is work that I have done unto the Lord. Look at what Colossians says. Colossians, when, Peter, when Paul is writing to the church in Colossians, in, three, in Colossians 3.23, he says, whatever you do, work 
heartily. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, um, because it is from the Lord that you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for you are serving Christ. Work heartily, not sliding in, figuring out how little can I get by with. What's the lowest bar before they'll kick me out of here? What is the lowest bare minimum? No, that is not the way that we show up when we serve. That is not the way that we fill the earth, that we subdue the earth, that we have dominion in this space, showing up, sliding in the parking lot five minutes after you were actually supposed to be there because you know they'll let you get away with an extra eight-minute window looking wrinkly and crazy. No, we show up with an ownership mindset. We show up with an integrity that says, I treat this space like it was my own space. I treat every person that I serve like they are the Lord himself, like Jesus himself is walking into this restaurant, like Jesus himself is calling into this call center. I speak to every person with that level of integrity, with that level of excellence, with that level of care, of compassion, of thoughtfulness, of working to see what I can make happen in this space. When I show up when I know that the work that I do matters. And the scripture tells us that when we work like that, that there is a great reward, that God rewards us with an eternal inheritance, that he rewards us with the things that we, with the way that we have done that work. And what does God reward us with? With an all expense paid vacation? does God reward us with? Does he reward us with, with mansions or shiny jewelry or an extra large bonus check? Mm -mm. He rewards us with more work, with more responsibility, with more space that you get to fill and subdue and have dominion. I know you're so still because you still kind of think that work is your opposition. You believe that work is your punishment instead of your reward. But Jesus tells us that work is our reward. Jesus tells this story. He tells this story that Matthew records about three workers. There were three workers and their boss was getting ready to go away for a long trip. And so he says to them, here's $2,000 for you, $5,000 for you, and $10,000 for you. It wasn't really dollars. Those weren't really the amounts. Can you track? And he says, take care of this while I'm away, and when I come back, I want to see what you do with it. And he comes back, and the one who had five and the one who had ten had worked it while he had been away, and they had more than they had when he left. And because they had done such a good job, he said to them, great, now here is an entire city for you. Here is more work. Here is more responsibility. Here is a greater area of influence and increase for you to get to move into and space into. And the one who had done nothing, his punishment was not work. His punishment was that the work, the responsibility, the area that he had the potential to fill and to subdue and to have dominion in was removed from him. And given, I wonder if we should train our kids better instead of when they mess up telling them here's a list of chores to do, we should say to them, you don't get to do any more chores. 
Because are we ingrained, seriously though, I know it's funny, but seriously, are we ingraining in them a mentality that is different than the mentality that God has spoken to us? That you were designed for work, and work is not your enemy, and work is not your opposition, and work is not the thing that you're supposed to be running from and waiting to see how long you can tap out of. Work is the thing that he put on the inside of you, that he designed. God worked for six days. And he said, I made you in my image. Work is what we find fulfillment in. Work is where, can I offer to you that the reason that you feel so depressed, the reason you feel so unfulfilled in your life, the reason you feel so disconnected from yourself and your life is because you are spending your life trying to figure out how little work can I be a part of, how often can I disconnect from work, how often can I get away from work, how often can I separate it, and I'm not talking about never resting. I'm not talking about finding our identity in our busyness, and if you've been around, then you know that, but we have new people, so God worked for six days and he rested on the seventh. Rest and work are equal parts. You have to have both of them to get the proper rhythm. Our, tr- our issue is that we don't come into a holy rest that connects us and unites us and fills us with God and we don't come into a purpose-filled work that finds us in the thing that he created us for to fill and subdue. We check into work so that we can get a paycheck, so that we can check out on our couch all weekend long, but we never come into to the integrated space where we say, God, you have made me in your image. And in your image means that I was designed to work this thing. It means that I was designed to create something. It means that I was designed to bring order into chaos. It means that when I choose colors for a wall and I know how to organize furniture in a space that I am tapping into my divine, unique nature, bringing something into that space that wasn't. And when I rest in a holy exhale, I am connecting with who you have designed me and created me to be. Work is not your enemy. Work is not a result of the curse. If you saw Adam and Eve in the garden properly, you would see Eve with her hair pinned up on top of her head, planting seeds in the ground. You would see Adam cutting back and making pathways in the midst of a garden so that they could make it an inhabitable space. You wouldn't see them just laying by the side. God created you to pull your hair up and to say, I'm going to make something out of this space. He designed you to roll up your sleeves and say, it's time for me to get in the dirt in the way that I saw you get into the dirt. God, you designed me to make something in the midst of this space, not to always be running from my work. Toil is the result of the curse. Toil is the gerbil wheel of working with no producing, showing up with no dominion, continually digging with no fruitfulness, continually planting with no fruit coming forth. It is the result of just spinning our wheels and we see all kinds of distortions of the work that God gave us, of the the role that God gave us to fill, to subdue, and to have dominion when we see wars breaking out. It's a distortion of the dominion that God gave us because he said, I'm giving you dominion over the earth, not dominion over one another. He said, I'm giving you, when we see people struggling in slavery and in human trafficking. It's a distortion of the dominion that he gave us to walk out over the earth and over every space that he sent us into. He said when we deplenish, that's not the word, 
deplete. Thank you, Dad. When we deplete, you tried talking for 45 minutes straight. When we deplete the earth of its resources, it is a distortion of the dominion that he gave us. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion, but the result of the curse is not your work. It's the distortion of the work that you were always intended to enjoy. It is a distortion of the work that God always created you for. And we are designed to experience work with him. God rewards us in work. He rewards us with greater space and greater capacity for work. Because you are created for dominion. And so when you show up on a Monday morning, when you show up, you show up with a heavenly worship. You show up with a divine responsibility. You show up with an opportunity to demonstrate the thing that God put in you. You show up with a chance to show the image of God working and moving and in action in that space because you say, I've shown up to do the thing that God has given me to do. And I'm going to do it with everything that I have. I'm going to do it with everything that he's given me. I am going to show up and do this work as if it is unto him. And he will give us an eternal reward. An eternal reward. And how does God define reward? God rewards us in work. How did you imagine Eden? And how do you imagine eternity? What do you imagine eternity? I would say for many of us, our image of eternity is very similar to our image of Eden. It's a lot of lazing around and eating bonbons and just chilling for, for always. But here, we don't believe that God is going to evacuate us from the earth and destroy the earth and the fullness of it. We believe that Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to have dominion on the earth. And he's bringing us with him to have dominion. He's bringing us with him to create a new heavens and a new earth and to establish his city and his rule and his reign. And I don't know about you, but establishing his rule and his reign sounds a lot like work. Sounds a lot like showing up to fill, to subdue, and to have dominion. I know, don't take my word for it. Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah 65. This is the prophet Isaiah, and he's looking down the line at the new heavens and at the new earth, and he's saying, this is what it's going to be like when we get to that place where Jesus comes back and all of the saints come back with him to rule and to reign and to have dominion on the earth. He says in 65 and 17, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. And then jump down all the way to verse 21. It says, they shall, what? Build. Is that work? Yes. They shall build houses and 
inhabit them. This isn't toil. You get to enjoy the work that you have established. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat of their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hand. My chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hand. This work that God has called us into isn't just a thing that we endure until he takes us into the sweet by and by where I can sit on my cloud and eat fairy cake all day long. No, this work that he has given me to do, this thing that he has put on the inside of me, this skill that he has given you, this way that he has given you, this is part of your eternal training. This is part of the thing that he has always put on the inside of you. This is part of the thing that he says, when I come to establish my forever thing, when I come to establish my eternal thing, you're coming back with me and you're going to establish dominion. You're going to build houses and when somebody builds a house, somebody's going to have to paint the inside of it and somebody's going to have to make a table for it and somebody's going to have to know how to design it and somebody's going to have to know how to build, drive the truck to bring all that. There is an eternal work that he has given us to fill. That's an eternal work that he has given us to subdue, an eternal work that he has given us to have dominion. The work was there in the garden and the work is there in the new heavens and in the new earth and in the here and in the now. We are connecting the space that God has created us to live in and we are bringing eternity into the right now when we fill this space with the glory of God. The work that you do matters. The way that you do it is your eternal training for the thing that he has called us to. So when you pour a coffee, pour it like you're doing something with eternal significance. When you drive a truck, do it like you're doing it with eternal significance. When you put a car together, when you paint a room, when you make a picture, when you do everything, do it like it has eternal significance. God said that is our great reward. Everyone who can, standing, if you're online, leaning in with everything that you have, I'd love for you to stand if you're in your room. There's something that happens when our physical and our spiritual connect together. So when you show up to work tomorrow, or today, wherever you go next, whether your work is caring for kids at home, or whether your work is showing up to an office somewhere, or your work is opening up your laptop at your kitchen table, When you show up, show up like this is the place that God has given me. And I'm going to work it. I'm going to work this space. I want to take a minute before we leave to pray for people who say, you know what, I've lived that way. I've lived my life in opposition of my work like it's the enemy of my life, rather than the opportunity, rather than the reward, rather than the thing that God has given me. I wanna pray for you that when you show up this week, you're gonna show up with a fresh spirit, with a fresh revelation. If that's you and you just wanna lift your hands in the air as I begin to pray for you, 
just hold that hand up as we say a prayer for a fresh revelation of the thing that God has designed you for, the thing that God has created you for. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you breathe the breath of life into us the life that gives us energy, the life that gives us purpose, the life that gives us direction. And so I pray right now over all of these with their hands raised, God, I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your revelation. I thank you for your word that has come forth that changes us and shapes us and allows us to take hold of something new. And I speak over them, God, that you would give them a fresh picture of how you've created them, a fresh picture of the thing that you have designed them for, a fresh picture of just what an impact they make, God, to the people that they work with, to the people that they serve, to the people that they show up for. And I thank you, God, that they are going to feel the closeness of who you are as they work in a new way this week. Spirit, rest on them. Rest on all of us in a new way today, God. We thank you for your work. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.